Welcome to the Bad Dad Horror Podcast with your hosts, John Couture and Sierra Couture. We all have daddy issues. Ours just comes with an extra helping of blood and gore. Welcome back to the Bad Dad Horror Podcast. I'm your host and original Bad Dad himself, John Couture. And I'm your co-host, Sierra Couture. And if you've been with us for a while, you kind of know what we do around here. But in case you're new to the podcast, we'll do a quick tutorial of what we do. My daughter, Sierra Couture over there, she became a fan of horror in the last year, even though she's only 10 years old, following a little TV show called Stranger Things. And she wanted to desperately start watching horror films and Considering I was a big horror buff when I was her age and realized quickly that, one, we don't have video stores anymore where you have clerks that can give you good recommendations based on your age and or taste. And the fact that there's a lot of really horrible horror films out there that really shouldn't be seen by people of this age. We thought it'd be a good idea to talk about films and kind of go through this journey of discovering horror from the beginning until the present day and kind of see how that evolves and see how Sierra likes it. And that's pretty much where we're at. How are you doing today, Sierra? Are you having a good week? Yeah. Awesome. Do you want to jump into it? <laughs> Excellent. The film which you are about to see is an account of the tragedy which befell a group of five youths. In particular, Sally Hardesty and her invalid brother, Franklin. It is all the more tragic in that they were young. But had they lived very, very long lives, they could not have expected nor would they have wished to see as much of the mad and macabre as they were to see that day. For them, an idyllic summer afternoon drive became a nightmare. The events of that day were to lead to the discovery of one of the most bizarre crimes in the annals of American history, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. The first film we watched this week is the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It's a 1974 film directed by Toby Hooper. And it is certainly one of the first slasher films. I think this is more along the lines of what you're expecting when you think about horror films, isn't it, Sierra? Yeah. Absolutely. It's, uh, it, it's Even though it was uh, filmed in 1974, it's one of the classic, iconic slasher films with your first really brutal antagonist by, played by uh, Leatherface, which is a really creepy character. What do you think about Leatherface? I feel like he's okay. You feel like he's okay? I mean, he did go after and murder people, but I think he only did that because of the old creepy guy that sucked blood from the finger and was, like, doing the dance. Yes, it's part of the whole family of uh, cannibals and killers that they were. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so he was obviously a little mentally off, I'd say, yeah. what do you think? Okay. He was not okay. I take back what I say. He was not. He was not okay. He was a bad person. What did we learn about hitchhiking in this film? Don't pick up hitchhikers because they will slash you with their pocket knife and they will show you weird pictures of cows hanging on stuff. Yeah. That guy was creepy, wasn't he? Yeah. You just knew he was going to come back later in the film, didn't you? What did you think about the location um, set in Texas? Um, it's kind of, I know you're not really familiar with every part of the country yet, being that you're only 10 years old, but Texas is a, a state known for wide open spaces where, you know, like where you may not be able to find police or find people that are uh, to help you in a time of crisis, which certainly played into this film. So what do you think about Texas as the location of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre? It 
is okay. It's okay. What do you think about the chainsaw as a weapon? Was it kind of grotesque, or were you were you more scared because he was using the chainsaw versus a knife or something else? Yeah. Definitely. Do you think a killer that uses a weapon of opportunity, whatever is there to kill somebody, is more scary than a a particular killer that has a has a weapon he sticks trying to for like Leatherface is known for having a chainsaw. I mean, that's where the name comes from, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So do you think it's scarier to have a killer that has a same killing machine mechanism or someone that just picks up whatever's close by? Picks up whatever's close by because that makes it scarier because you don't know. Like, you, if you're a victim, you would have to be in a room where there's nothing nearby that could possibly kill someone. That's right. You'd have to be like one of those rubber rooms where, like in an insane asylum, where there's no way that anyone can get at you, right? Uh, so tell me, what did, you th- what did you think about the Texas Chainsaw Massacre overall? Is this your first really big slasher film, a lot of jump scares? Um, it's certainly a pivotal film. What did you think overall in terms of, is this what you were expecting? 9.5 out of 10. 9.5 out of 10. You have a have a large... Uh, no, no, no. I changed my answer. 9.58 out of 10. 9.58. See, folks, she is very adamant about keeping those scores accurate. 9.58. At some point, we got to write down all these and keep a record going. Uh, do you think it is suitable for people of your age group to watch the Texas Chainsaw Massacre? Yeah. You do? Yes. Why do you feel that way? Because it's not like I don't know. It's it's not bad. It just, it's just not it's a lot. not bad. I mean, here they, there was one scene where they took a young girl and they and Leatherface basically impaled her on a meat hook. Oh, and she watched her uh, boyfriend get dismembered. You forgot about that part. Yeah. Uh, was it? Was it? Rap- All I was thinking about is the guy chasing the girl with the chainsaw. Yeah, there's a there's an extended scene where the Leatherface is chasing the, the the last girl around with a chainsaw, and it seems like it goes on forever, doesn't it? He chases her all around the property, back in the house, and back down to the gas station. Were you surprised uh, with that twist um, when uh, Leatherface, where, where she goes into the restaurant or the gas station, the guy originally there is part of the family, or did you see that one coming? I saw him coming because he was creepy from the beginning. With he was definitely creepy, for sure. Who was your favorite character in the film? Hmm. 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 Um, I think my favorite character is um, the uh, girl that like survived. You think the the quote unquote final girl is your favorite character? <laughs> Were you, did you like her because she survived, or because she was a good character, or? Was she a good person, per se? I mean, she did push her brother in the wheelchair through <laughs> through all that craziness. Yeah, yeah, she did. Not that you know, poor Franklin didn't really survive, did he? No. No, not at all. Um, are you surprised to hear, this is a film that, uh, this is the first film that we've seen, I, mean, I don't know if it's the first film in all time, horror film, that was quote-unquote based on a true story. Um, did you find that the film was scarier because it was based on a true story? Yes. For sure. Because I can't imagine, like, going outside and then someone starts chasing you with a chainsaw and then you're like, oh, my gosh. And then, like, five, four of your friends are dead mm-hmm. and one of them got hung on a meat hook. That's true. I, I think there's a I think there's an inherent um, grotesqueness of horror when you realize it's based on a true story because the events actually happen. There's actually people out there and you realize the depravity of man as a whole – 
that that somebody's able to do these types of things, not just in the movie, but in real life. And, you know, the one thing we need to discuss, though, is that even though Toby Hooper put the disclaimer at the beginning of the film that it was based on a true story, I mean, that was sort of a white lie. Um, It was actually based on two different serial killers, the most famous being Ed Gein from Wisconsin, who was known to um, rob graves and exhume bodies to make furniture out of them. He also killed a few people and wore their skin, much like Leatherface. So there were elements of the Ed Gein story that uh, resonate in uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but in, in the fact, was there ever a Leatherface-type character that ran around uh. with a chainsaw? No, there wasn't. But Ed Gein was a real character that did a lot of that creepy stuff. Wait, wait, wait. Leatherface wore other people's skin. Yeah, you don't remember that. You, did you think that was his face that was? Uh, no, but I thought it was like that a was, mask. Yeah, it was a mask made of human skin. Did I thought you, it was like, like you know how like on Halloween you can just like cut yep. some bed sheets and put it on your face sure. and you got a mask. Yeah, that that's one way of doing it. But but uh, Leatherface used his victim's skin to fashion a mask out of their face. That's gross. So does it make even? make it even more grotesque to you to yes. see it here okay you didn't see you didn't figure that one out while you're watching i guess we should have no. had a little post q a film q a to figure that out yeah yeah well face definitely is known for wearing the, the skin and ed gein likewise uh made not only masks but full body suits out of the skin of the women he killed he was sort of a cross-dressing serial killer that kill killed a couple women and would fashion their suits yeah I, if I, we might need to turn this into a video podcast, but you should see the look on Sierra's face. She's very much uh, put out and s- concerned by this. Oh my gosh! Okay. <laughs> and remember, this came out in 1974. Um, the time period it came out is certainly one that uh, films like this weren't normally seen in theaters, and there's a lot of you know the Motion Picture Arts Association, the Motion Picture Arts Association of America. The MPAA was just trying to get a hand on the ratings. They didn't really have a uh, you know, anything between PG and R. This film was rated R, naturally, for the blood and violence. But you know, parents still didn't know what R ratings actually meant. And a lot of kids saw this film, kids younger than what you are now, and caused a lot of nightmares. Um, so, yeah. So even though you think, do you think if you were 10 years old in 1974 when this film came out, do you think you would have been appropriate to watch the movie at that time? In 1974? Mm-hmm. The year I was born, by the way. Yes, I'm old. No. No. So you think part of the reason you think it's appropriate now for people of your age group is because so much time has passed and that because the film is set in the past, it's, so there's a little bit of cheesiness? Is that what maybe you're thinking? Mm-mm. No? No, but it's because... A lot more stuff has happened since then. A lot more then. stuff. Yeah. Elaborate on that. What do you mean? Do you think that people, that kids of today's, seen many more things and more violence and and have more better prepared themselves to the horrors of a horror film than people yeah. in the nineteen seventies? Yeah. I think to a certain degree that 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 is certain that that's an argument that you could certainly make. I, at the same time, I also think that. You know, the early 70s, mid 70s, coming right off of the 1960s, which had a lot of, you know, Vietnam War. They had a lot of horrors going on there. Yeah. There's a lot of um, civil uh, strife, you know, the whole civil rights movement. There's a lot of political and social economical things going on in the 60s and 70s that, you know, I would would argue that kids of that era, maybe they weren't used, you know, to the point that there's actual physical violence in horror going around but they certainly have seen a few things as it used to say back in the day 
Right. Okay. And let's, uh, we're going to wrap up our talk on Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And uh, like we all would for every film this year, do you I pose the question to you, do you think I'm a bad dad by showing you this film? Nope. You don't? No. You're too kind. I, you know, I do think at some point, sometimes I, I earn my uh, <laughs> moniker a little bit more than others. While I don't think it gets to the levels of depravity of last week when we saw The Exorcist and Rosemary's Baby, I do think from a purely violence and in craze slasher perspective, I do think there's a lot of violence. And I, I would probably put the age group a little higher than where you're at. 11. But again, 11. No, a little higher than that. Maybe 13, 14. Mm-mm. But you are, well, we agree to disagree. But uh, again, we have a lot of faith. And have you got any um, nightmares from the Texas nope. Chainsaw Massacre? Nope. None whatsoever. No dreams of the other face chasing around with the chainsaw nope. or Pink Bunny? No. Nope. Oh, no. No. Okay. Now I just want to keep you on the toes. I get where you got the pink bunny from. Okay. What's going on except kids playing pranks, trick-or-treating, parking, getting high? I have the feeling that you're way off on this. You have the wrong feeling. You're not doing very much to prove me wrong. What more do you need? Well, it's going to take more than fancy talk to keep me up all night crawling around these bushes. I, I, I watched him for 15 years, sitting in a room, staring at a wall, not seeing the wall, looking past the wall, looking at this night in humanly patience. Waiting for some secret, silent alarm to trigger him off. Death has come to your little town, Sheriff. You can either ignore it, or you can help me to stop it. More fancy talk. Doctor, do you know what Haddonfield is? Families, children, all lined up in rows, up and down these streets. You're telling me they're lined up for a slaughterhouse? They could be. All right, I'll stay with you tonight. Just in the chance that you're right. And if you are right, damn you for letting him go. Moving right along to our second film this week, we watched the 1978 film from John Carpenter, Halloween. And this is another classic horror film. It stars everyone's favorite scream queen in her first film role, Jamie Lee Curtis. She plays Laurie Strode, naturally. And in this film, we learned that Michael Myers... Uh, when he was a young child, uh, was neglected by his sister who was babysitting him and didn't care for that very much. So he put on his uh, Halloween costume and mask, which he had because, of course, it was Halloween. And after his his sister got done having sex with her boyfriend, he went up there and said, you know, that's not very cool. And he slashed her to bits. And then he gets put into a sane asylum. And we flash forward 15 years in the future, and Michael Myers has escaped that insane asylum, and it's, of course, Halloween once again. And he goes back to Haddonfield, Illinois, to enact some revenge. What did you think off the top of uh, Halloween? 8.6 uh, 8. out of 10. Okay. Well, I'm glad you gave it a rating, but what did you think about the movie? Give me a little more g- <laughs> Give me a little more talk about it. What did you I know, think? I know, I know, I know. Um. Good. It was really good, except for the fact that he has not so great hiding spots. Yes, and he was. He was definitely a uh, killer that uh, was way right out in the open. You, every time he's like, like, dude, he's right behind you. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, even though it's Halloween, a lot of people are wearing masks. I mean, he kind of stood out, right? Yeah. Yeah. This is certainly uh, one of the. I mean, again, it's one of the first iconic slasher films that led to a whole slew of slasher movies and we'll get into a lot of franchises because 
Even though it is Halloween and lots of people wearing masks, they don't wear them right in the middle of the day. Yeah, it was middle of the day, and there he is in that wonderful mask, which, you know, trivia question, that mask was actually a mask of um, of William uh, Shatner from Star Trek, and uh, that was a real mask that they had, and they used it, and it became very iconic and is now more famously known as the Michael Myers mask. Yeah. You're like, oh, who is William Shatner? William Shatner was in Star Trek. He was a big deal at the time. So what's Star Trek. What's Star Trek? I she knows what Star Wars is, folks. So I'm not a totally bad dad, but uh, so we haven't really gotten to Star Trek. Star Trek is sort of um, more of a science fiction response to Star Wars, even though Star Trek predates Star Wars. Um, there's a big, huge uh, division between fans of Star Wars and Star Trek. Either like a track, you like Star Trek or Star Wars. It was a TV series. Then they went in and made a bunch of movies off of it. And William Shatner was the first Captain Kirk. Very regal. Yeah. He had a very distinct acting style. Someday we'll, we'll watch some of the Star Trek and you'll understand. Yeah. But we're a little off track. Um, what did you think about Michael Myers as a killer? Did you find him to be scary? The guy, he was invincible. Mm-hmm. We'll get there, yeah. He walked very much slowly. Right. Did not know how to run. Apparently and... not. Maybe he had an injury. Maybe, you know, maybe he had an injury. Maybe when he was in the insane asylum, he was out in the yard playing with other inmates and somebody tackled him. They're playing fight no, football. No, because then he would just heal like he always does. Oh, that's true. He does, I mean, he does seem pretty unkillable. Um, and his breathing issue. Yes, he had a breathing issue. Well, let's, let's take a little deep dive in the breathing issue. I never really noticed it until now, and I've watched all the Halloween films and... And I mean, I, I mean, I guess I noticed, I knew it was going on, but I never really put one and one together of, of there being a just, you know, Michael Myers was getting excited and he'd breathe and, and then, you know, usually, a tr- you know, trigger a, a killing uh, that was coming on. This was a good indicator that a killing was coming. But, you know, I, and I've, and I did some research online and some other people have come up with this same idea that it just struck me last, uh, last night when we watched it was, uh, Halloween was released in 1978. And the original Star Wars film came out in 1977, and the original Star Wars film was massively huge, very popular. Mm-hmm. So I didn't, I wasn't able to find anything from John Carpenter himself who said, "Yeah, you know, we we took that breathing Michael Myers and based it on Darth Vader." But I wonder, part of me, you know, part of me wonders if that really was the inspiration for Michael Myers' very distinct breathing noise that he has before he kills. If it was an homage to Darth Vader, or just because they saw Darth Vader the ultimate you know, bad guy in the universe, all black and that distinctive breathing. If they, you know, that became part of the iconic bad guy repertoire. Yeah, for sure. Um, you mentioned a few things about the killer, Michael Myers, about him being supernatural, having abilities where he didn't want to die. I would say that Michael Myers and Halloween is the first film where the killer is presented in such a way where, they have these supernatural abilities that you know that you need to do something special to kill this guy. He's not going to die easily, and that's certainly a big horde cliche or horde trope. And when you think about it, and we'll get there eventually, because you know there's a very fun sequence where um, you know in in the movie Scream where they talk about the the horror cliches or things to to survive a horror film, and a lot of those uh, cliches come you know find their you know start in Halloween. You have the the line that we end every show with. I'll be right back. That line first put in this Halloween film. Um, Michael Myers being a supernatural type killer. Um, also another sequence, uh, another 
big horror cliche is if you fornicate, if you, uh, you know, commit a, a out of wedlock sex that you will be killed. Um, the virginal, uh, per- people tend to be the survivors. Um, that's another one that, you know, that's why Lori Stroud was, was able to survive, so to speak, because she was not fornicating with her boyfriend, like all the other babysitters, bad babysitters versus good babysitters. And another interesting thing is that both of these films, and, and, the, and the reason why we watch them together, is that both these films introduce the concept of the final girls. And that's a huge, really massive uh, horror trope, something that you see in a lot of horror films, especially going forward, yeah. is the final girl or the surviving person, usually female, who has to do battle with the killer. And while they may not always kill the killer, they definitely put their mark upon the killer and are able to survive. What do you think about that? Sierra, do you, did you enjoy that part of the film? Yeah. Excellent. Good to know. And I feel like the girl really used her surroundings well in Halloween because mm-hmm. all she had around her was a couple of clothes hangers and she turned <laughs> one into a weapon and got she him did. to drop his knife and then she stabbed him and he somehow still woke up. Yep. Well, the first part, this is interesting, we'll get to it a little bit, but the first the first wasn't, wasn't necessarily, she did use a coat hanger in the closet later on, but the first time she attacks Michael Myers, she actually uses a knitting, a crochet needle, remember that? Yes. So that's an interesting, um, that's an interesting uh, weapon choice, and you're right, she used what was around her, which allowed her to fend off and eventually lead Michael until Loomis was able to show up and shoot Michael five, six times, fall from a second-story window, and somehow still survive. Yeah. Definitely. A uh, little note, little hit, bit of tidbit here, a little trivia that you, I hadn't shared with you yet. Do you remember the, the Laurie Strode, the lead actress yes. from Halloween? She's played by Jamie Lee Curtis. Mm-hmm. Like, as I mentioned off the top, she is a phenomenal actress. She was best known as, as being one of the original Scream Queens. Uh, those victims or, or, or leads in a horror film that are best known for screaming the lungs out. And uh, she's been in a lot of horror films, a lot of Halloween films, and a lot of films that were horror that weren't necessarily Halloween. And uh, she's actually the daughter of somebody you've seen in this little podcast that we've done so far. Did you know that? Hmm. Can I have, can I have a hint? Can you have a hint? Um, so is her mother also a scream queen? Her mother was definitely a victim in a horror film, which would put her in a scream queen, and she definitely screamed when she died in her film. Hmm. I know, it's tough. I'm trying to think. You've seen a couple films at this point. Uh, I have an idea, but I don't know if it's right. That's okay. That's what we're here the for. The girl who died in the shower in Psycho? Ding, ding, ding. You are correct. So you're oh a page. Gosh. Give her a prize. Janet Lee was the victim in Psycho who died in the shower. And yes, she is Jamie Lee Curtis's mother. So like mother, like daughter, and maybe like daughter again, a little foreshadowing. Uh, there seems to be a lot of genes in that uh, family. Like mother, there. like daughter, like granddaughter. Like granddaughter, there you go. Um, so yes, yeah, so Jamie Lee Curtis is the daughter of Janet Lee. And this was her, as I mentioned, this was her film debut yeah, she instantly became iconic in that role. She went on to have a huge career, both in horror films and non-horror films. Um, she was in some great, high-grossing box office films, but she'll always be known as Halloween. Now, an interesting thing, and and this is part of the podcast, and I'll bring you guys in as the audience because I think this is an interesting discussion to have. And again, if you have any thoughts or questions, you can always uh, you can always email us at baddadhorror at gmail.com. 
and we would we'll answer your questions on air. But is um, you know how do you watch? How do we watch these films? I mean, do we do we try to group them together? Do we do them by year of release? Do we do it like series? Like you know, Halloween is again one of the first films. And although the Texas Chainsaw Massacre certainly had its fair share of sequels and remakes and reboots and what have you, but Halloween is an interesting franchise in that it has mm-hmm. up to I believe there are twelve films. The thirteenth film is going to be released this year called Halloween Ends. But it's really almost like a choose-your-own-adventure type of uh, yeah. uh, of a horror franchise because there's many ways you can go about watching these uh, horror films because the original Texas Chain, uh, the original Halloween had a sequel that came out a couple years later, and it was um, it was an interesting. It was again Jamie Lee Curtis was in it, but it had it made some interesting. Um, it made some interesting twists on the whole story of Michael Myers and his origin and the relation between he and Laurie Strode. And then the third film has nothing to do with Michael Myers. It's called season of the witch and it's highly regarded as one of the worst Halloween films ever released. And then Michael Myers reenters the um, equation when come back with Halloween four, Halloween five. Well, there's this whole sequel. There's this whole way you can watch them. You can go through and watch them in the release or there's also a film called Halloween H2O, Halloween 20 Years Later, which, again, Jamie Lee Curtis is, comes back, but they basically take off from the second film they, as if the third, fourth, fifth, and sixth films never happened. And so it's a direct sequel from Halloween 2, and it's 20 years after that fact, and then yeah. things happen. And then there's a... There's, there's Does Michael a, Myers come back and it's not the season of the witch Yes, Michael Myers. The season of the witch is the only film that does not feature "quote unquote" Michael Myers as the lead killer. Uh, it the season of the witch is terrible. I, I I really do not think we'll ever watch that film together. There's also two films. It's kind of a remake of Halloween, and those were two films directed by Rob Zombie in 2007, I believe, in 2009, if I recall. And basically, they were just a remake of the original Halloween and a remake of the sequel. And Rob Zombie took a lot of liberties, but neither one of those two films really fit into the the chronological timeline of the original Halloween films. So those two films kind of stand on their own. And then, and this is where it gets really weird, is recently in 2008 and 2018, excuse me, in 2019, there was Halloween... um, kills comes out and halloween uh, there was a halloween in 2018 halloween kills in 2019 and upcoming this year is halloween ends it was it's three three films that yeah. came out and they are direct sequels to the original 1978 film so it doesn't even it basically just says everything else doesn't exist so none halloween 2 none of that it exists we are a direct sequel to the 1978 original John Carpenter film. And then there's, so there's three sequels. They're going to follow that film. And all, both of those films are really good. And uh, so this is what I've kind of come up with here. And let me know if what you think about this. Okay. It's a treat. So it's almost October. Yes. And Halloween is at the end of October, as everyone knows. And in mid-October, Halloween Ends comes out in theaters. So mm-hmm. I thought it'd be fun. One week, we will watch... Halloween, the 2018 version. Halloween Kills, which I believe is 2019, maybe 2020. We need to do a correction next episode. And then we'll go see Halloween Ends in theaters. First run. 
that'd be your first horror film that you see in theaters. What do you think about that? Yes, that would be very much cool. Would that be cool? Yes. And it's a little different because, you know, originally when we started this podcast, we had said that we'd want to keep them in as much chronological order as you can. However, considering the whole convoluted franchise that is Halloween, I think seeing the original Halloween and seeing these next three films, even though they're more current, will keep it within the world of Halloween. So I don't think it'd be too much of a cheat as it were going forward. So you excited about seeing a film in theaters? Yeah. Absolutely. Okay, well that pretty much sums up the what we had in, in sort of talk about today. So what would you rate this film, uh, uh Halloween? Uh eight point six out of ten. Eight point six out of ten. Man, you really specific with your ratings. I like that. Uh and do you think this film is appropriate for children of your yes. age? You do. Well, yes. Well, again, while my daughter may say yes, I will okay. caution all pa- Oh, sorry. Go ahead. One part. One part. But you can just skip over that part. Well, how do they know to skip over that part, Sierra? Because there's clues leading up to that part. Mm. Well, I will say that, again, I, I certainly cannot parent for you. But if you're listening to this and you're a parent and you want to know if this movie is appropriate, there is nudity that is shown a couple different times. And there is simulated acts, of course, of sexual activity that, again, if, if, the, if those are things that are taboo for your household, then you certainly do not want to watch Halloween, as that is kind of part of the whole uh, plot that Michael Myers' motivation for killing is based on teens that are having premarital sex. Bad. Don't ever mm-hmm. do that. Don't ever do that. Right, Sierra? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right answer for now. All right. Well, I believe we covered everything that we're going to talk about today, sir. Is there anything else that you'd like to add about these films? Did you get any horror? Did you have any nightmares yet for any of these films? Nope. No. Do I need to try harder? Do I need to earn the moniker of being a bad dad? Mm-hmm. Yes, you do. Okay. Well, next time we're going to get a little bit more into the horror with uh, one of my favorite authors of horror, and that is, of course, Stephen King. So we're going to leave you guys until next time. Know that we're going to have a couple films from Stephen King next t- to listen to next time. We'll, we'll be, be right, right back. There are certain rules that one must abide by in order to successfully survive a horror movie. Never, ever, ever under any circumstances say, I'll be right back. Because you won't be back. I'm getting another beer. You want one? Yeah, sure. I'll be right back. Oh!